Hello all and welcome to our podcast series Breaking New Ground. Uh, this series was launched during this year's Break the Bias campaign for International Women's Day um, where we were trying to highlight as many ways as possible that we were working towards breaking the bias as a firm um, and we're going to continue to drive these important themes and discussions forward all the way through the year in our permanent campaign for inclusion. Uh, my name is Tiernan Brady. I'm the Global Ch Director of Inclusion here at Clifford Chance. And I am delighted to be joined by our Regional Managing Partner for Asia Pacific, Connie Heng, and Angela Chan, who is a partner in our Capital Markets Group in Hong Kong for today's podcast. Uh, today, we're looking at a really current issue, um, the role of inclusion targets and how they help us dismantle some of the barriers that prevent us being as inclusive as we would like to be. And we know this is a topic that so many of us are looking at and so many different companies are looking at as well as governments around the world. So Connie and Angela, welcome and thanks for joining me. Um, thanks, Tiernan. Uh, Thank okay, you, Tiernan. <laughs> thanks both. Connie, I'm going to pick on you first. Um, as regional managing partner um, for Asia Pacific, the, uh, everyone in the firm knows that you know inclusion is a topic you really deeply care about. Can you tell us a little bit about why targets matter at all? Um, th thanks, Tiernan, and I'm incredibly pleased to be invited to join this podcast. So hello, everybody. Um, well, I think to start with, um, targets are important. Why are they important? I think if you just think of us as individuals, what do you stand for? What do we stand for? What do, what do we as a firm stand for? What do you as an individual stand for? I think we often ask ourselves question how do people perceive us what do we how do we want people to perceive us it's, it's really important it goes to the core of what we do and um, the core value of our business right and as a firm um, what is what are, what are the values that we identify with um, and so how do targets help and why are targets important it is important because it's the firm standing up raising their hand and stay, saying we, we, we put our necks on the line and we are committed to getting this target. It's not a quota, it's a target. And that's going to drive the way that we behave and we conduct our business and how we include our talent um, by helping them further their career. Um, it's important because um, we want to retain talent, we want to attract talent. And as we know, people want to work for um, an organization that they identify with they feel um, is aligned with their own values, um, their own views of inclusivity. So I think it's that it goes to the core of what we do. Um, and we're not talking just about gender targets, we're talking about general inclusivity targets. And in APAC, uh, we have committed um, to increasing the proportion of female partners, just to give an example, by 25% by 2025 and by 60% by 2030. They're ambitious targets, but why set target? Why, why set an unambitious target? We might as, well, might as well not set one. So I'm very yeah. proud that we've done that. Um, I, I, I thought, Connie, actually, you, you, you touched on something that maybe um, Angela might want to have a go at answering it as well. You, you mentioned that these were targets and not quotas, and I suppose, you know, language matters greatly and we hear a lot of words and different words in, in, in the inclusion world around, you know, all these initiatives, you know, but maybe, Andrew, you know, in the firm, for us at least, you know, what do you think the differences are when we talk about targets rather than quotas? 
Thanks, Tiananmen. Um, you know, whilst there are targets and their quotas, and both are actually aimed at promoting inclusion within the organization, there are some distinct differences. So targets are voluntary and they are set by the organization. So they allow for monitoring over a period of time. They can be adjusted accordingly so as to be appropriate for the organization, the environment. Whereas quotas are mandatory, they are typically fixed or determined by external party. They are sometimes imposed by the organization and viewed as non-negotiable and also at times paired with penalties if there is failure to meet them. So given the more flexible and voluntary natures of targets, I feel that targets act more to motivate buy-in from management of the organization. That is actually pretty important if you know, it increases the likelihood of the success. So buy-in does take time, but in turn, it allows for a mindset shift to permeate within the organization. The other thing is that targets creates a focus on the firm, on the organization to identify and remove barriers on allowing for equal opportunities and outcomes. So whatever is preventing equality of experience for our people, Whereas for quotas, is really objective focused. What you end up with is rather than removing the barriers that prevent gender parity, you end up meeting the quota, which is objective focused, but you perhaps may end up having quotas for a long time. So ultimately, Target does allow us to become more meritocratic, to promote the deserving talent as opposed to being having a somewhat forced quota regime. The downside, however, is just that it, without a hard and fast deadline of quotas, the end objective being the increased inclusion may take longer, but in the longer run, it actually creates a culture shift and change within the firm. That's a re actually, that's a really comprehensive answer. Thanks, Angela, because I think, I think it is one of those um, sets of terms that people can confuse and they can merge and think, well, they all mean the same thing when, when of course, they don't. And, and in a way, I mean, it sounds like, you know, how you communicate these targets really matters within your firm if you're going to get buy in and, and not just our own firm, but but in any firm that was thinking about introducing targets. Um, so we're just thinking, you know, what are some of the more impactful ways um, that we can get people to understand targets you know, and, and why they're there to help us and how they can help us? Yeah, this is a really good question, uh, Tiana, and that's something that um, I think about every day uh, in my role in APAC um, and more generally for the firm, right? How how do we how do I get my fellow partners, lawyers, managers <clears throat> to understand that targets are important, and um, how can we journey towards those targets? Because we set targets, we want to meet them. Um, I think it's a number of ways. I think <clears throat> one is leading by example. Um, which I encourage everyone to do. And um, the other thing, it's really um, a part, you know, we have to come up with some initiatives, of course, um, to show that we're journeying, moving, you know, in that direction towards those targets. And um, at the end of the day, uh, we're people business, we're a law firm, our most important uh, assets are our people, our talent. Um, that goes to the heart of how we deliver a service to our clients, right? And so for, for our people, what are the people strategies that we can employ to achieve those targets? And just to give an example, um, you know, we have in APAC a mentoring program, um, you know, and the mentoring program is aimed to help both um, men and women in our organization um, to progress 
Um, we help that we do that with uh, inclusivity. And we will also look at pipeline planning um, to look at our pipeline and whether we are, will achieve those targets. And, and we make that quite transparent to people. And transparency is very, very important in that. It's part of the communication. So there's obviously direct communication through emails and um, you know um, discussions, uh, but equally through action. So some of the initiatives that we we, we push out, um, and through our affinity um, networks like you know Arcus, like um, Accelerate, you know some of the the, the fantastic uh, programs and events that we we put in place to show that th these are important topics. We care about it. Um, and we have partners to come and join these um, events, uh, like this one, for example, the podcast, and some some events where we jointly host with clients uh, in our, in our local community, in our local industry. Um, so that that I think these are ways that we show people that we care about the targets and management cares, and at every level um, to make sure we pull the talent through the ranks. I really like that you know combination of communicate and demonstrate that 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 both are communication. I think it's a it's a really smart observation to be honest, Connie. And um, and I know that recently you've you know you've demonstrated this really well in Hong Kong actually for the entire Asia Pacific region, but specifically for the Hong Kong event, uh, you had a fantastic event. Which for anyone listening to the podcast. We will, you know, you can find on the website, and it's totally worth listening to as well, or and watching. Um, but that was, you know, following on from the Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing Limited's publication of their consultation around targets and inclusion, and the conclusions on that review for their corporate governance code, which focused on enhancing diversity practices um, and how do you increase the diversity in boardrooms. And there were the first ever discussions of targets being introduced, you know, through the Hong Kong exchanges for that. And as a result, you know, you you hosted this pretty awesome event with all the key stakeholders, including clients, the Hong Kong exchange and, and our own people in the firm to talk through what these targets mean, you know, mean to people, because we're only going to hear more and more of it. Um, I think one of the key takeaways, though, from that event was that how vital it was to nurture female talent collectively um, as a community uh, if you really want to embed diversity in the way in the not just in our numbers but in the way that we think in the way that we act um could you walk us through that perhaps a little of what that looks like in clifford chance i think that's for, i think i'm picking on you angela am i for this one yeah i'm sure Shatiana. i mean i, I do think that that was a really good event because, you know, for Clifford Chance, I think that as we have champion change and values within our firm, it's equally important that we use our expertise to realize greater diversity and inclusion in the business and society as well. And in early January this year, so we did host the panel session with the regulators, so the Hong Kong Stock Exchange and board members of some of the listed companies. Um, it was really timely, as you've mentioned, because it was quite, um, it was close to a year long consultation in 2021. And the Hong Kong business sector was actually quite excited to see the findings published in last December. So what was discussed during the discussion? Um, there were two key themes that came out, and I feel that the, you know, the two key themes, the first was the one that resonated the most with me about setting the targets. 
So the first was setting the targets and the second was about finding the diverse talent to meet the targets. But on setting the targets, the panelists were quite um, in unison when they noted that diversity should mean going beyond just numbers, but ultimately to promote the diversity of gender, experience, skills, culture, and background, essentially to achieve a holistic cognitive diversity for the corporate. So it's not so much a numbers game that ultimately the corporate should be after, but a holistic diversity of thought, which benefits the whole organization. And for us at Clifford Chance, I do think that reinforces that we are somewhat on the right track. Our inclusion targets are on three different aspects, so gender, ethnicity, and LGBT. And we also have our new code of conduct um, you know, that was developed last year. So our inclusion targets together with the code of conduct, that drives our inclusion strategy of you know, change the rules, change the culture, change the lived experience. And that is how we show we go just be beyond just numbers, but pushing for a lived experience for our people. What we want is to let our people play to their strengths. And that means creating a culture and environment that is right for them to succeed. Um, I, I like Connie talk a bit further about finding the diverse talent to meet these targets and how that was discussed during the panel. Thanks, Angela. Over to you, Connie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, um, yeah, finding diverse talent, I would say it's just for, you know, managers, uh, partners, managers um, to focus and look around. Um, I've always said, you know, it's important to focus on, you know, everyone has their strengths and looking for diverse talent, I think it's just to be open-minded, um, to zone in on where someone can add value, where someone can develop. I mean, as lawyers, we are often very, we're skeptical people. Um, we are trained to look for risks and gaps and deficiencies. And that's what we're trained to do for clients. And, you know, we're good lawyers because we're good at that. But I think in the people business, you have to look at it in the opposite direction of what, are, what is the talent we have and how can we harness that and develop that. And I think if we can go into, um, at every level of our organization, uh, be it at you know the partner level, the the senior partner level, the 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 the, the council's director, um, associate level. I think at every level, people need to approach the people strategy that way. Um, look around the corner constantly. Um, you know we may have um, a, a ready pool of talent for us to fill the next slot. You know rather than say okay this this individual is not good at that. You know we ask ourselves what is this individual good at. And that let's harness that. Um, and I think in the industry, um, we need to be more creative, more generally about, you know, harnessing, you know, let, let's just talk about gender diversity for one. People complain that there are not enough um, directors, um, female directors to fill boards, but that's not right. You know, you look around at, um, you know, the industry groups, um, the, the accounting fraternity, the uh, legal industry. There are a lot of female lawyers, female uh, accountants, uh, auditors uh, in the accounting profession, you know, where we can fill, uh, who can be, be be helpful, who can be that talent to fill the gap. Um, and, you know, I think also every company is at a different level. Every firm will have, um, be, will be at a different uh, level of uh, gestation. There are different levels of maturity. And some companies might be there just to, you know, first of all, for example, just taking the Hong Kong Stock Exchange quota, they might first need to just fill the quota to, to, 
to make sure they're not in breach of the rules and to fulfill the regulation. But what's next? They then need to um, devise a strategy, a people strategy, maybe set a target and then look around and have a holistic people strategy to make sure that they're not just filling a quota, they, they have that more sustainable um, corporate strategy and vision um, to have that diversity of thought to evolve that corporate culture. So I think it's all going to be a journey, but um, everyone's going to start somewhere. But I think at the very basic level, and certainly in our organization, I often encourage um, our, our, our um, partners, our associates, our you know people who have a manager a managerial responsibility to look at to look at the positives and how to develop areas of opportunity for you know where are the areas of opportunity that some of our people can further develop. I think that's the way to um, tackle the people issue in our organization. Look at it on the other side. Um, not how you would review a document to pick out the deficiencies, but actually turn it around and say, where are the positives? And I think that will maybe make a change for us. I, I think, I mean, I, I, I think when you're getting into that idea that, you know, the, that inclusion isn't just a nice thing to have and targets aren't just nice because, you know, wouldn't it be lovely if we had them, that it's actually hardcore business, that a people business is all about its talent. I really like that business focus. I think, because you know, that reminds people that this is actually, as well as being a value, it's totally core to our success um, as a business, as uh, you know, and to any other businesses, uh, you know, if it wants to be successful. So there's there's a hard nosed business part to this as well. There should be too, which hopefully creates more risk taking, like you've like you're talking about, Connie. I mean, I, I, one of the other dimensions of this I, I think was you know how do we create strong networks and strong visibility and that seems to have emerged a lot and I know Angela like, I mean you're a partner in capital markets but you're also because you've got you know zero free time we've decided to give you more to do you're also the, I mean, the co-chair of the Hong Kong um, affinity network which for gender parity in the firm which we call accelerate here in Clifford Chance and um, how important are those affinity networks and um, you know in terms of moving inclusion um if if we want to move the dial in the in the firm and and beyond the firm um i think very important actually because you know you have affinity groups like accelerate which allow for people within the firm in different jurisdictions to band together you know banding because they have a shared commitment to certain objectives so like for accelerate that would be our joint commitment to promote gender parity within the firm so because there are accelerate um, affinity groups in each of the different jurisdictions. It then allows for participation at a more grassroots level to drive and campaign locally. And then through that, you can achieve greater impact in the region. And the, the other good thing about such affinity groups is that it also allows um, us at a local level to bring to senior management's attention any concerns or gaps, which then allows for the fine tuning of any inclusion targets or initiatives for that region. So that again goes back to why targets are better set than say quotas, because it allows for that constant, very dynamic feedback from time to time from the affinity groups, from the people to, to feedback to you know, management so as to decide how can we fine tune our initiatives to meet those targets. And that's more from a um, sort of a, from a group perspective. On an individual level, I do believe that affinity groups also allow our people to grow and think differently. 
I have certainly grown in my perspective and outlook since taking over the Hong Kong Accelerate group close to now two to three years. Um, an example of how groups like Accelerate can foster an inclusive culture and enable colleagues to think differently, um, I could give one example. So since 2021, um, Accelerate Hong Kong has sponsored a local grassroots NGO called Teens Key. And Teens Key's focus is on addressing sexual and reproductive health concerns for young women, as well as providing holistic services for women in Christ, young women in crisis, including those who work in the sex industry. So our collaboration with this NGO has been wide ranging and rather impactful. So we've given financial support for the education program. We do pro bono assistance as well as volunteer opportunities for our people. Um, so it, just a couple of recent examples, like in December last year, a couple of our Kubit Chance volunteers participated in the Teens Key Reproductive Health Workshop at a local secondary school. So students were asked to reenact cases of unexpected pregnancies while our volunteers played the roles of various parties, such as salespersons, doctors, social workers, law enforcement. So through the workshop, students were able to learn about the options available and the practical and emotional difficulties that they may encounter. On our end, the COVID trans volunteers actually enjoyed themselves because they were able to gain insight into some of the issues faced by pregnant teenagers in Hong Kong, and they found it to be rather rewarding. As part of this year's IWD campaign, we also invited Teens Key to develop, deliver a virtual lunch and learn talk to the young to office about young women who enter the sex industry. We had quite a few um, colleagues give feedback that it was quite eye-opening for them, and they learned a lot about a segment of society that they were not familiar with. This was also useful because it helped to debunk myths and stereotypes which aligned well with the Brick the Bias theme this year. So I find that through local affinity groups that accelerate where our people in smaller, smaller groups in the local offices, they can make a positive impact on the communities. And then through together as a firm, we can then move the dial on some of these key actions. I think that's like, so easy for me to say, but I mean, it's, it's such an important point because we talk about how what the firm can do, but of course the firm, like all firms is made up of a huge amount of individuals. and and empowering individuals to be really strong at driving change themselves is so important. And I love that aspect of, you know, the affinity networks, because I mean, if we're not building change, it doesn't, you know, it means someone else is. So we, we have to be have active networks that do that campaigning. So, and I know how good the, the one in Hong Kong is, the Accelerate Group. So thanks for, for all of that work, Angela. Um, finally, and I know the, I know we've probably gone much longer than we wanted to even because because there's so much to cover on this, which is great. And it's 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 so interesting for so many people. But like finally, maybe as a as a tougher question, um, you know, I'd love to hear if you were picking one thing, if we were picking a one top tip for people listening to the podcast, um, if they were thinking about targets as part of their wider inclusion agenda, what would your one top tip be? I'm going to go to you Connie first if that's okay yeah sure um I think it's to there are many tips but perhaps to pick one uh and this would resonate with you Tian and um you know the if your organization is a, a multinational one right it's a global organization the target has uh it has to be tailored to the organization bearing in mind the stage of uh, maturity and also the local um, cultural um, uh, landscape, right? So 
Um, and, you know, at Clifford Chance, for example, you would have seen that our targets are actually um, increasing by percentage. Um, so whilst, you know, we have a common purpose as an organisation that every region has a percentage target to reach, it's a percentage increase from where we are. Because in different parts of the world, we may have um, uh, offices at different maturity or, you know, uh, groups at different levels of maturity from others or different stages of the journey. But we need to find that common thread so that everyone feels they're journeying towards that common purpose. And, you know, the, the setting of targets is also quite important. You, you, one needs to think about the, um, you know, in terms of tailoring it to make sure it suits the organization. Think of the industry you're in. Um, you know, think of whether a gender target is the right target to set, or is it more, more wide, you know, more wide ranging? Um, you know, it's very industry dependent. It also depends on the local culture. So I think that would be my top tip to just think more holistically mm. about the organization when setting the target. No, I think that makes a lot of sense for firms who, you know, and, and really important that they do think about that. You, you can have the one goal for everybody, but, it, you know, everybody's at a different stage of that journey. I think it's a great point. Um, Angela, have your top tip? Um, for me, I think it's that. It's good to have the targets, but to to think beyond the numbers. So it's for me, it's more the think beyond the numbers, so that is ultimately what's the culture and what the experience you want your people to have, and to then build the local networks. Or if it's not so much of an international uh, organization you have, then have local champions to help drive and implement the the change. That would be from me. No, I think thanks for. I totally agree. Um, I hopefully people find those two. Top, those tips useful as they think about this. I know more and more firms are going to be thinking about this, you know, uh, in the coming months and years and, and getting it right matters. I think to the point I think Connie said earlier, these are powerful, um, powerful, powerful things. But if we get them wrong, they can be, you know, power, volatile things as well. So it's worth putting the effort in and thinking about how to get them right. Listen, thank you so much for giving me the time today um, to talk about this topic. I know how really important it is to both of you and how much you're doing in the region um, on this. Um, so uh, like I say, thanks very much. If you would like to discover more ways um, of breaking the bias, um, and you can check out the other Clifford Chance podcasts on our Clifford Chance po uh, podcast channel on cliffordchance.com. Um, thanks everybody for listening today um, I, I, and uh, I hope you found it useful, I know I have.